Greetings, this is podcast number 70 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, we're going to explore the question, was there right-wing electronic voting fraud in the recent elections? Let's get right into it. Okay, we had the midterm election, and there was apparently no nationwide right-wing electronic voting fraud sufficient to tip the scales to the Republicans, since the Democrats, thank goodness, did succeed in taking back both houses of Congress. I've been wondering, however, was there Republican voting fraud of the electronic variety just not enough? And what does this midterm election portend for the integrity of the vote in the 2008 presidential and other contests? Let's examine these questions through the prism of what's now transpiring in Florida's 13th Congressional District. This is the story of the missing 18,000 votes. This story hasn't gotten a heck of a lot of national attention, but it's important to be aware of this situation because of what it says about the national prognosis for free and fair elections. My sources are the New York Times, the Orlando Sentinel, the Palm Beach Post, Wikipedia, Salon.com, and the University of Virginia's Center for Politics. The 13th District's current representative is Katherine Harris. Yes, that Katherine Harris, who as the anything but nonpartisan Florida Secretary of State during the 2000 presidential elections, quote, halted recount efforts and certified the election results in favor of George W. Bush. She became the darling of the Republican Party and went on to win a congressional seat from the Sarasota area, serving two terms before deciding to run against Nelson, close quote. That would be Democratic Senator Bill Nelson. This 13th district already has a nice pedigree, huh? The people of Florida exhibited, should I say rare, I don't know, good sense, and rejected Katherine Harris in her Senate quest, by 60% to 38%. How wonderful it was to see her suffer a crushing defeat. In the 2006 congressional election for Harris's House seat, Republican Vern Buchanan ran against Democrat Christine Jennings. Republican Buchanan supposedly won by 369 votes. The only problem is there are 18,000 votes missing in Sarasota County. 18,000 Sarasota voters who chose candidates in other races supposedly didn't vote, didn't make a choice in this congressional contest. These so-called undervotes all occurred on electronic touchscreen voting machines made by the Electronic Systems and Software Company, and these votes would have easily provided the winning margin to Democrat Jennings. How do we know these two things? That there are missing votes, and that these missing votes would have favored Jennings. As to whether there was an undervote, to start off with, there's the testimony of the voters themselves. After receiving hundreds of calls from voters complaining about the problems voting on the ESNS machines, the Herald Tribune of Sarasota decided to interview them. Quote, about a third of those interviewed by the paper reported that they couldn't even find the congressional race on the screen. This could conceivably have been the result of bad ballot design, but many of them insisted that they looked hard for the race. 
Moreover, more than 60% of those interviewed by the Herald Tribune reported that they did cast a vote in the congressional race, but that this vote didn't show up on the ballot summary page they were shown at the end of the voting process. Close quote. Beyond the testimony of voters complaining that they couldn't vote in this race, there are the statistical discrepancies between Sarasota County and other parts of this same 13th Congressional District. The 13th District boundaries run across five different counties. In four of the counties, the voting pattern seems normal. Quote, but in Sarasota County, which used touchscreen voting machines made by electronic systems and software, almost 18,000 voters, nearly 15% of those who cast ballots using the machines, supposedly failed to vote for either candidate in the hotly contested congressional race. That compares with undervote rates ranging from 2.2 to 5.3% in neighboring counties. Close quote. So are we to believe that for some unfathomable reason, in Sarasota County alone, between three and six times as many people supposedly didn't bother to vote in a bitterly fought congressional race compared to neighboring counties voting in the exact same race? Another strong piece of evidence that the machines caused the undervote is provided by looking at absentee ballots. The undervote in Sarasota County on absentee ballots was only 2.5% in line with the other counties covered by the 13th District. Why the vast discrepancy in Sarasota County between the absentee ballot undervote rate and the undervote rate on ballots cast in person on Election Day? The absentee ballots were paper ballots, not ESNS touchscreen machines. Paper ballots in Sarasota County have a 2.5% undervote, but the electronic voting machines in the same county have a 14.9% undervote, six times as much. Pretty clear the machines are the problem, no? Next, how do we know these missing votes would have favored the Democratic candidate Jennings, and by enough of a margin for her to have won? The Jennings campaign points out that she won Sarasota County by 52 to 47 percent, so the undervotes apportioned in that ratio would have provided her enough votes to overcome Republican Buchanan's 369 vote margin. Now, I can just sense right-wingers who are listening to this podcast getting ready to start a hollering and a shouting, Hey Jack, that's just speculating. You don't know those missing votes were from Democrats. Maybe they were all Republicans. Well, my right-wing friends, happily there's a conclusive answer to your complaint. These votes may have been missing from the congressional race, but these voters did leave a voting record of their choices in the other contests that day. The Orlando Sentinel newspaper did an analysis of these 18,000. Actually, the precise number is 17,846 did an analysis of these ballots to see how these voters voted in other statewide races where their votes were recorded. These races ranged all the way from U.S. Senate Governor and Attorney General to Chief Financial Officer and Agriculture Commissioner. The results? Quote, the group of nearly 18,000 voters that registered no choice in Sarasota's disputed congressional election solidly backed 
Democratic candidates in all five of Florida's statewide races. Close quote. In fact, these same 18,000 voters were actually even more heavily Democratic candidate-oriented than Sarasota County voters in general. These supposedly didn't vote in the congressional contest voters backed Democrats even in races where Sarasota County as a whole went Republican. For example, the Republican candidate for governor, Charlie Crist, easily beat Democrat Jim Davis in Sarasota County. Quote, But on the undervoted ballots, Davis finished ahead by almost 7 percentage points. In the Agriculture Commissioner's race, Republican Charles Bronson beat Democrat Copeland by a double-digit margin among all voters. But on the undervoted ballots, Copeland won by about 3 percentage points. Close quote. So beyond a shadow of a doubt, these 18,000 voters were going to be voting overwhelmingly for Democratic congressional candidate Jennings, not the Republican Buchanan. Salon.com calculated that, quote, if Sarasota County had had an undervote rate similar to the other neighboring counties, which ranged from 2.2 to 5.3 percent of all ballots cast, and had the missing voters split the way the rest of the county did, going 53 to 47 for Jennings, Jennings would have won the election by between 200 and 600 votes, close quote. This isn't just partisan spin. Two nonpartisan voting experts agree with this common-sense conclusion. One of the country's most quoted voting analysts is Larry Sabato, head of the University of Virginia's Center for Politics. No, he's not a Democrat or a liberal or a progressive-leaning guy. His website says he has been, quote, dubbed America's favorite political scientist by Fox News Channel, close quote. Sabato said of this 13th Congressional District race and the Orlando Sentinel analysis of the undervoted ballots, quote, That's very suggestive, I'd even say strongly suggestive, that if there had been votes recorded, she would have won that House seat, close quote. Then there's Stanford University's expert on electronic voting, David Dill. He said, quote, it seems to establish with certainty that more Democrats are represented in these undervoted ballots. If votes were actually lost, it appears those votes would have favored the Democrat. Close quote. Let's take a break, and when we return, we'll examine a bit how the right wing is attempting to spin this situation. Okay, we've clearly established that in Sarasota County, Florida, in the 13th Congressional District, there was an undervote on 18,000 ballots for one race for the seat in the House of Representatives, and that in their other votes, these 18,000 voters skewed heavily Democratic. So we've got 18,000 missing votes, which would have provided the winning margin for the Democratic candidate. What do right-wingers have to say about this? Oh, the usual nonsense. Their first attempt was to claim that there was no undervote at all. 
Republican Buchanan's campaign claimed it was just, quote, voters exercising their choice not to make a selection in the race, close quote. And there's the Sarasota County Supervisor of Elections, Kathy Dent. She's a Republican. She towed the party line well. She, quote, tried to dismiss the undervote in Sarasota by suggesting that voters simply chose to sit out this race in protest after a nasty campaign. But that explanation didn't hold water since the undervote rates in the very same race in the neighboring counties ranged between just 2.2 and 5.3 percent, close quote, as opposed, as we've discussed earlier, to the 15 percent rate in Sarasota. If at first you don't succeed in lying, try, try again. The right-wingers then hired an expert, some expert, who put forth the flimsy argument that, quote, some people may have missed the race because of a poor ballot design, but that problem would have affected all voters equally, close quote. Well, a Jennings spokesman counters that this flies in the face of, quote, what we've seen anecdotally. The overwhelming majority of reports of voters having problems say they were trying to vote for Christine Jennings. It's nearly unanimous, close quote. Beyond that, and this is where the Republican expert belies his expert designation, what does he mean that it affects all voters equally? If a higher percentage of the voters intend to vote Democratic, then an equal across-the-board ballot confusion will adversely affect more Democratic votes. Is that simple logical deduction beyond the reasoning capability of Republican experts? I mean... We have the granddaddy of all ballot confusion episodes right in Florida as well. The year 2000 Palm Beach County butterfly ballot disaster. That's where the misleading ballot design led thousands of elderly Jewish voters to supposedly vote for another Buchanan, Pat Buchanan, who has a reputation among that very voting group as an anti-Semite. And by the way, if you mention this butterfly ballot situation to a right-winger, Don't let them give you the line that the person who designed that butterfly ballot, Teresa Lepore, was a Democrat. No, she wasn't. She was a Republican and only changed her party designation to Democrat when she ran for the election supervisor post in this heavily Democratic district. But back to present-day Republican shenanigans. Since the deliberately not voting and affects everyone equally lines of attack didn't work, The right-wingers have resurrected from the year 2000 another lie. The votes have been counted, so stop complaining. Republican candidate Buchanan said, quote, The people have spoken, and I have won this election. I won on election night. I won in the machine recount, and I won in the manual recount. Close quote. He said at a later time, quote, The votes have been counted, recounted, and counted again. Close quote. The chairwoman of the Florida GOP, readily echoed this false claim, quote, The votes have now been counted three times, once on election day and twice since then in state-mandated recounts, close quote. Again, shades of the year 2000 presidential election where Republicans kept ranting and raving that the votes had been counted multiple times. No, these votes were never counted. Saying that they were counted three times is a lie. The 18,000 undervotes in the congressional race in question here were not counted even once. Quote, 
The recount last week in Florida did not find the 18,000 missing votes, since there was nothing to check the machine's own electronic records against. The recount simply involved counting once again the same electronic record, since the machines there are not required to also provide a paper record of votes cast. Close quote. It's intellectual dishonesty of the worst sort to claim that the votes in the race were all counted already three times yet. But of course, right-wingers won't stop at mere intellectual dishonesty. They have to add in personal attacks as well, or they won't feel whole, won't feel like they've behaved as a good right-winger should. Listen to what Republican candidate Buchanan said, quote, It's time for Christine Jennings to put the interests of the public before her own self-interests and concede this election. Close quote. Her own self-interests? If she was legally elected to office, it's in the public's interest that she be the one sitting in Congress, not Buchanan. That GOP state chairwoman, her name is Carol Jean Jordan, notched it up a ramp. Quote, Christine Jennings is once again allowing her own personal ambitions and the radical political agendas of liberal third-party groups to hijack the democratic process. Close quote. Wow, we have the personal ambitions attack. Boy, these Democrats have too much ambition for their own good. The radical political agendas of liberal third-party groups? Huh? Usually that line is invoked by the right in attacking their opponents in situations involving women's reproductive rights or the civil rights of gays, lesbians, and transgender citizens. Radical political agendas to count every vote to make sure the right person goes to Congress? Hijack the democratic process? Maybe Carol Jean Jordan grabbed the wrong talking points to use the day she made that statement. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I want to be clear. As of now, there's no smoking gun, no evidence of deliberate fraud here. But let's look at certain factors. First, whose machines are these? They're ES&S machines. ES&S, Election Systems and Software, was originally funded by the Amundsen family. They're connected to the Christian Reconstructionist movement. Christian Reconstructionists openly advocate that American democracy should be replaced by a Christian theocracy. The founders of ES&S were about as extreme right-wing fundamentalist Christian as you can get. Moreover, present-day Republican Senator Chuck Hagel of Nebraska once ran and invested in ES&S. Worse, he was elected to office on votes counted on the very ES&S machines that he sold to the state of Nebraska when he was running the company. And his election was called the biggest upset of that year, 1996. Do you think those machines of his had anything to do with it? So I'm obviously very suspicious. Especially since the supposedly undervoting voters seem to have been the most Democratic-leaning voters of all. What? Did the software say, if all five statewide races are voted Democratic, toss that congressional vote into the electronic trash bin? Of course, a countervailing argument would be, if there were electronic vote fraud, wouldn't they have done it bigger? 
369 votes is cutting it kind of close for right-wingers who, to put it mildly, don't like to lose. Remember when we discussed way back in Podcast 17 how in Ohio in 2005, referend on the ballot that the Republicans wanted to lose miraculously went from double-digit support in the polls to double-digit losses on Election Day. So the right isn't afraid of massively changing numbers. Perhaps a good part of the proof of the pudding will be whether or not ESNS proves willing to let independent third-party experts examine their machine's software code. As the New York Times put it in an editorial quote, the campaign wants its experts to review the machine's secret computer source code, the programming that runs the computer inside the machine, to look for problems. Election Systems and Software, the company that made the machines, is not saying whether it will allow this. If it resists, the court should order the company to hand over the code, a requirement that should, in fact, be routine in all places where electronic voting machines are used. Close quote. Now, I can think of other questions related to the mistake versus fraud issue regarding the 18,000 missing votes. Why do all these electronic mistakes seem to favor Republicans? In recent hotly contested midterm races where Democrats narrowly lost, were electronic voting machines used more often than in hotly contested midterm races where Democrats won? And did Karl Rove decide to play possum in these midterms to forego widespread fraud in 06 so we'd let down our guard, and then they can zap us real good in 08, and also be able to charge now in control of Congress Democrats with not cleaning up the various messes the right wing itself made. Anyway, these questions aside, zooming back down to the local level, where exactly are we now in this Florida situation? Well, the weight of the evidence, despite all the right wing verbiage, has forced Florida state officials to order an audit of the Sarasota machines. This will last three weeks. But don't get your hopes up. As in 2000, Florida state election officials aren't even trying to look impartial. They've picked a partisan hack to do the investigating. Quote, To oversee the audit, the state has chosen as its independent expert, Professor Alec Yasinsak of Florida State University, a Republican partisan who made an appearance on the steps of the Florida Supreme Court during the 2000 recount battle, wearing a Bush 1 sign, close quote. Of course, this pick is not surprising since the official state Florida Election Canvassing Commission is itself an appendage of the GOP. Its members are Governor Jeb Bush, the state's chief financial officer Tom Gallagher, and a state senator Daniel Webster. Yup, all Republicans. No risk of a whitewash here. Obviously not willing to depend on any such state audit for relief, the Jennings campaign has filed a lawsuit which asks that the results be reversed or that a new election be held. The lawsuit states, quote, The vote totals in the certification are wrong because they do not include thousands of legal votes cast in Sarasota County, but not counted due to the pervasive malfunctioning of electronic voting machines. Close quote. 
pervasive malfunctioning. Sounds like a good description of the Bush administration, doesn't it? In addition, there's another lawsuit, quote, A coalition of non-profit watchdog groups, including Voter Action, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, People for the American Way, and the ACLU of Florida, filed their own suit in Florida State Court on behalf of nine voters and two poll workers in the district. They asked that a new election be held for the voters in the county who use the touchscreen voting machines. Close quote. We'll be monitoring the progress of these lawsuits. I mentioned at the top of the podcast that this story has not received much national attention. New York Times columnist Paul Krugman expresses the concern of many of us when he writes, quote, I've been shocked at how little national attention the mess in Sarasota has received. Here we have as clear a demonstration as we're ever likely to see that warnings from computer scientists about the dangers of paperless electronic voting are valid. And most Americans probably haven't even heard about it. As far as I can tell, the reason Florida 13 hasn't become a major national story is that neither control of Congress nor control of the White House is on the line. But do we have to wait for a constitutional crisis to realize that we're in danger of becoming a digital age banana republic? Close quote. Happily, we may not be forced to experience such a dire situation. There's reason for hope on the electronic voting fraud front. Representative Rush Holt's anti-electronic voting fraud bill in the House of Representatives now has 222 co-sponsors. This measure, H.R. 550, would, quote, require all electronic voting machines to produce a paper record and compel election officials to conduct periodic audits of the machines, close quote. The 222 co-sponsors include, according to his press secretary I spoke to, 24 Republicans, 222 supporters. That's enough to pass it already. Not so long ago, those who decried the dangers of paperless electronic voting machines were decried as tinfoil hat conspiracy nuts. Now, however, we're mainstream. The mainstream view now clearly is that paperless electronic voting machines are unacceptable and that at a bare minimum, a voter-verified paper trail with mandatory random audits is absolutely required. Some voting rights advocates actually feel that Representative Holt's bill doesn't go far enough. These activists want all votes cast on paper ballots, which would then be counted on optical scanning machines. Even with this method, however, we'd have to be sure about the software of the optical scanning machines and that the machines are not connected in a hackable way to the Internet. I'll close with this irony of ironies. In this very county in Florida we've been discussing, Sarasota, such paper ballots counted by optical scanners will be the rule in the 2008 presidential elections as a result of that county's voters approving such a measure in the midterm elections. So there you have it. We dodged the bullet in these midterm elections, didn't we, huh? And there's definite hope that widespread electronic voting fraud that could again tip presidential and other elections won't be possible ever again. For that, we have groups like blackboxvoting.org and votetrustusa.org and countless others to thank 
for all their hard work researching and exposing and advocating on this all-important issue. May this be but a harbinger of success in all the other critically important areas. Iraq, health insurance, economic exploitation of the third world, economic justice here at home, the assault on our constitution, etc., etc., etc. All these other areas where the right wing, unfortunately, still poses a mortal danger to us all. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on my podcast homepage. You get to my podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. As of my recording this podcast, it appears as if I will retain my number nine spot on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. I want to thank you all so much for voting. The first of the month is right around the corner, so remember, voting starts anew at the beginning of each month. A special shout out to all you Live 365 and 365 Red Dragon listeners. You're all invited to come over to the homepage and subscribe. That way you can listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. Let me remind you all that Blast the Right compilation CDs are now available. Volume 1 has episodes 1 to 30, and Volume 2 has episodes 31 to 60. What could be a better gift for your friendly local right-winger? Or for a progressive friend you want to turn on to Blast the Right? There's two ways to get them. You can order them from CafePress.com, and it comes complete with a very nice printed label, or you can download them for free and burn them yourself. All this information is on a page linked to off the podcast homepage, right where the two little pictures of the CDs are. Now a word from another progressive podcaster. Tired of falling asleep during NPR? Bored of uptight news anchors? The Unimpressed Corps might be just for you. From politics to pop culture, this weekly podcast is sure to please even the crankiest liberal. Go to www.unimpressedcore.com or the iTunes Music Store and subscribe now. The Unimpressed Corps may contain language not suitable for children. Music credits. The break music was Boomer's Boogie by Wang Dang Doodle. We'll close with a bit of Too Much Bush, also by Wang Dang Doodle. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. I actually think I'm caught up in all the email, so keep them all coming in. Great stuff. Send your email to rational at adelphia.net. If you prefer, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. I can also be reached on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Yeah, my